I want to start with a little bit of a summary before getting to the conversation around the tables of uh, some of the things we've covered just over the last few weeks. Last week we looked at uh, fear and love. So we had fear and love last week. So fear actually, some of the, uh, some of the emotions we just covered on it really briefly were selfishness, anxiety, greed, worry, insecurity. And there's a whole lot of emotions we can have that are fear-based. But if you look at the arrow, I'll put it this side. <laughs> fear is about me. When I'm walking in fear, I'm thinking for myself. I'm worried about my own safety. I'm worried about my own provision. It's about me and me protecting me. But when I think of love, some of the feelings and emotions we had with that was caring, compassion, blessing, consideration, and kindness. And we looked particularly at caring last week, caring for other people. But when I live a life of love, I'm secure in who I am in Christ, and I can start living with an attitude of giving to other people. So fear is about me getting, love is about me giving. Does that make sense? The correct answer is yes. Fear is about me, myself, protecting me. It's all about me looking after me. And we see that so much in society nowadays. We see that so much in, in how we live our lives. It's, it's all about me, my vision for my dream. The National Australia Bank had a, uh, a, a slogan a, num a number of years ago for the most important person in the world, you. And while it's good for them to say, you're important to us, if I live with the attitude of I am the most important person in the world, then I start doing everything for me. I start serving me. I start serving my dreams and my desires. But when I want to live as a true disciple of Christ, I'm living my life to say, it's about you. Because everything about me that I'm worried about, provision, fulfilling my dreams, all these things, if I know that God is my provider, then it's a lot easier for me to care for you because my needs are already met. And the other verse we looked at was Acts 1.8. And we looked at that over a few weeks. Who can remember what it says? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And I can't remember the last part. I've memorized it in a different translation, but uh, telling others about me everywhere. When the Holy Spirit comes upon me, or the first part, the, the, the literal language is, uh, you will take on power when the Holy Spirit is superimposed over you. And you will be my witnesses. Who remembers what witnesses means? Anyone? Martyrs. A witness is somebody who says, it's not about me, it's about you. And, and, and in this sense, we're supposed to be living our life for the, for the kingdom of God, to advance the kingdom of God. I need to die to myself. I need to die to my dreams because it's about me being God's servant to the world. It's about me making disciples. It's so easy for me to say, well, I'm not going to make disciples. I'm not going to lead a study. I'm not going to connect with a group. I'm not going to do anything because I'm just too busy. I've got too many things on my plate. But it's about me dying to self and say, I want to see you become the disciple God wants you to be. And I love the last part of that. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Judea and Samaria. Samaria was a place 
uh, was, was a group of people that the Israelites didn't like, the Jews didn't connect with, and they were almost considered dogs. But Jesus is saying, you'll take the gospel in your home city beyond that, but you'll also be reaching people you don't necessarily like. Why? Because it's not about me and what I like. It's about advancing his kingdom. We need to be kingdom advancers. Amen? So the purpose for me being empowered is so that I can be his witness. And if I want to be his witness, then I have to die to my own dreams. I've had times that I've shared before where, uh, where we're standing in the street talking with someone and God says, I want you to pray for this person. And I second guess myself, I second guess him, the nerves kick in, all those things. And I go, well, maybe it's not. Well, maybe it is. And what could go wrong if you pray with somebody? They might yell at you. They might say, I don't want that. It's their choice. They don't have to receive prayer. I can offer it. And I've seen several times where I've offered prayer and they've said, yes, please. And, and in desperation, they want you to pray. And, and sometimes things have happened. I've had other times that I've prayed and, and nothing's happened. But I need to be obedient to what God says because it's advancing his kingdom, not me doing what I want. I was looking at a verse of scripture yesterday, 1 Peter 1.16 says, Be holy, for I am holy. And when I looked up the meaning of the word holy, it literally means be a saint. And, and it's almost mocked at nowadays, oh, you're just a, you're just a saint, you're doing this. It's like this, there's a, a, almost a, a demand that we connect with the things of the world and the people of the world and the morals of the world. But if God puts things in place and says you should be living higher than the world, you should be living higher than the morals of the world. If the law says you need to do this, I know somebody who thinks it's a great idea to burn DVDs. Now that you can get things online, that sort of eliminates a lot of that, but it was almost, it's okay to burn DVDs. That's a stupid law, but it's the law. And we are called to live higher. We're called to live in abundance, to honor God. So if the law says something and you think it's a stupid law, we still need to be living higher. We need to be holy. We need to be saints because of him. Be holy for I am holy. And fear argues, what if the thing God wants me to do is not as rewarding as the thing that I want to do? Love says, I know God cares about me, but let me tell you how much you matter to God. And believe me, I have experienced the fear factor many, many times. I am far from perfect. I have my struggles. I have times where I find I'm disobedient to God because I'm wrestling with, with what I'm feeling. But if I truly want to honor God, I have to press in and pay the price because it's more about him than about me. So like I said, fear argues, what if the thing God wants me to do is not as rewarding as what I want to do? Has anybody else ever struggled with that? Reality is we should all have our hands up because when God asks us to do things or the law says you shouldn't be doing this but we want to, what we're saying is it's about me and we need to go further than that. And there's a verse in... Um, 
I'm jumping ahead, I can't remember where it is, but whatever you sow, you reap. And if I really want God to, to do something in my life, if I want God to empower me, then I need to be prepared to die to myself and say, God, I will do what you want me to do. I will pick up my cross and follow you because I want God to be alive in my life. I want God to be reflected in what I do. When people look at me, I want them to see Christ in me. When they turn around and say, I want to know who Jesus is, can people look at you and say, just look at this guy or this girl and that'll give you a pretty good idea. If we're not living that kind of life, we need to be questioning, am I truly surrendered to Christ or is fear reigning in my life? Whatever we sow, we reap. And just before we finish, I want to get into a bit of a game. So I want everybody to grab a partner. It can be at a distance. Across the table is probably best, but side by side doesn't matter. Grab a partner. And we're going to play a game called Reflections. So I want you to face your partner as if you were looking at a mirror. One person will do the action. The other person will do the imitating. So determine within yourselves who will do what. I want everybody to be involved in this because there's a lesson behind it. So who is going to be the actor? Put your hands up. We've still only got three people. Hands up if you're doing the acting. Who's doing the imitating? All right, as the imitator, and we're going to get you to swap roles in a minute, but as the imitator, your job is to be the best mirror you can be. So I want you to face each other, start with a few actions, brushing your teeth, combing your hair, pulling a few faces, and see how accurately they can copy you. All right, I want you to just to sit still facing the person. Now I want you to smile at them. I can see a lot of people not being obedient. Sit still and face the person opposite you. And I just want you to smile at them. Okay, now frown. Not giggle, frown. Now reach out and give them something. Hold your hand out as though you're going to give them something. Is the reflection doing a good job? Now I want you to reach your hand out as though you're about to take something from them. All right, who felt their reflection did a good job? Who felt they did a really bad job? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to swap now quickly. Now the person acting becomes a reflection. The person reflecting becomes the actor. Go through a few actions. It's payback time. 
who feels silly. <laughs> All right, same actions again. Sit still, face the person, now just smile at them. I think these two will mimic each other really well. <laughs> All right, now try frowning. No giggling, just frown at each other. <laughs> Hold your hand out as though you're going to give them something. Now take up the position as if you're going to take something from that person. Who's ever done this as a child and just looked into a bowl of water or into a pool or something and watched their reflection do something? I remember as a kid one day, we had a life-size mirror just at the end of our bathroom. And I remember I would stand in the bathroom and I would try and make my reflection move before I did. And I failed, of course. And other times I'd try and move before my reflection did. And I love the verse that says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. God will never, ever be late, but he will never be early. We need to draw near to him. And as we make that move, he follows suit. And as the reflection moves at the same time, he will never, ever be late. But did you notice that when you glared at the reflection, there was somebody glaring back at you. When you smiled, somebody was smiling back at you. When you were giving, somebody was giving back to you. When you reached your hand out to take, there was somebody wanting to take from you. This is called the law of reflection or the law of sowing and reaping or the law of seed time and harvest. You might know it as different things. The thing I like about reflection is that it's immediate. The law of seed time and harvest or sowing and reaping, for anybody who likes gardening, you put a plant in the ground or a seed in the ground, you have to water it, you have to tend it, you wait, and one day it will grow. The thing with reflection, even though timing might be a thing, once you put it into place, the moment you put that into place, it's in place. It might be time before you reap back. It might be time. If you're, if you're selfish, if you're living in fear, if you won't give, if you won't care for people, it might be time, but there will be a time when that comes back. If you're living a life of love, there'll be a time when that comes back. Some people say, I don't have any friends. Well, so friendship. I have lots of enemies. Then stop being an enemy. Learn to give and you will learn to receive. If you live as one who takes all the time, then you'll find that there'll be people who take from you. Just listen to this. If you bless others, you will be blessed. If you withhold blessing, your blessing will be withheld. 
If you live by taking, it will, in the end, be taken from you. If you live a life of giving, it will, in the end, be given to you. Condemn others and you will be condemned. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Live with a closed hand and Father's hand will be closed to you. Live with an open hand and his hand will be opened to you. What you give will be given back. What you take will be taken back. The whole principle is biblical. And this isn't just something, we see this in the natural, but it's a principle. Living the life of love is one that actually gives. Living as a disciple is one that gives. Living for the kingdom of God is one that gives. If I can't see God as the provider of my every need, then I will live in fear and I will try and meet the needs myself. But if I live in a place where I trust him, where I live for him, where I know that he is my provider, he is my protector, he is my carer, then I feel secure in who I am in Christ and I can much more easily live as one who gives. But I have to choose to live that. I have to choose to surrender my life to him. And I want him to function in and through me in every way. Is there anybody here who would like to be blessed? Then be a blessing. Because what you sow, you will reap. Proverbs 27:19 says, As a face is reflected in the water, so the heart reflects the real person. Luke 6, 37, 38 says, Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together, make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And Galatians 6, 7 to 10, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And as I read that, I thought that was interesting. You can mock God by thinking you can actually sow in fear and reap in love. You can't mock God. What you sow, you will reap. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. And that's Galatians 6, 7 to 10. So I'm going to leave it there and open up for conversation around the table. I want you to talk about the whole nature of being one who gives. Not just giving things or giving money, but giving, giving love, giving life, giving your time. All those sort of things. There's a series of questions. Go through those. But as an act of giving, I want you to pray for each other today. We don't have communion this morning. We didn't have enough... Uh, we lost some of our supply. We don't know what's happened to it, but uh, that doesn't stop us from still ministering life. That doesn't stop us from having communion at home, from living this out. This isn't a Sunday thing. This is an everyday thing. So around the tables, I want you to talk. I want you to really tease out these points. Look at the verses, but spend some time praying for each other. Don't just ask what their needs are. Pray blessing over them. Pray the favour of God over them. You may feel led to ask if there's anything, but minister life. 
I want this morning to be a time where you give. Go for it. Feel free to continue talking and praying around the tables as you need to. We're just going to uh, wrap up. I'll just close with prayer. And then I'd ask a few to help us pack up the tables and chairs again. But Lord, we want to thank you for today. We thank you for everything you've done for us. We thank you that you have given so much of yourself for us, Lord. And, and for us to even give back uh, everything is still only such a tiny amount. But Lord, we ask that you orchestrate our steps day in, day out. Help us to be uh, people who advance your kingdom, who make decisions to honour you and live for you in everything we do. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We pray your blessing and thank you for everything in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.